Welcome to another episode of the Glacier Guys podcast. I'm your host, Joey Fernandez. And today's going to be another solo episode. Uh, my co-host Omar was not able to be here today, but uh, we're going to keep it uh, chugging along. Um, th- this week, we're going to start with the uh, the NFL Combine, uh, my personal favorite topic of the week. Uh, talk some some uh, releases, I guess you could say, of of NFL players, Amari Cooper, uh, NBA, uh, MLB lockout. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Starting out with the uh, combine, I think some of the biggest risers uh, the day were obviously the wide right, just the wide receivers as a whole. I mean, everyone was blazing. I don't, I don't know what was in the water in Indianapolis, but I mean, there's some there's some great times here uh, as far as 40 yard dash goes. I mean, Ty Tyquan Thornton led with uh, a 4.28 uh, 40. Which is not bad, not bad at all. I mean, that's probably obviously gonna improve his stock greatly. Uh, there's a few guys that I personally like a lot that improve their stock a lot. Uh, Calvin Austin out of Memphis, running a four-three-two. I think that was huge for him. I, I like him. He's a very dynamic player, and it kind of proved that, uh, showing his his straight line speed. Uh, Alec Pierce, who's huge, by the way, uh, <laughs> ran a four-three-three. I mean. That's that's ridiculous. I, I <laughs> that I that's someone I think the uh, I I prefer the Bears to target honestly. Uh, in the uh, later rounds, uh, Garrett Wilson, the uh, the unanimous number one wide receiver for most, uh, ran four three eight, which is extrememely impressive. Chris Olave was probably the most disappointing guy because his unofficial time was so different compared to his his uh, actual time which kind of sucks i know it was a hand time but still it's like you you see 426 and you're like man this guy this guy like he he might go top 10 like he, he he's that good but 439 i mean that's nothing to scoff at or anything but you know compared to what you saw before it was kind of disappointing um uh Jahan Dotson ran 4-4-3 not bad at all very solid George Pickens with the 4-4-7 uh those are two guys that I'm a big fan of uh Wandale Robinson uh ran a 4-4-4 uh doesn't as have as much size as I'd like but uh not a bad player I guess uh as far as a guy who disappointed me I mean he wasn't expected to run very fast but David Bell uh he ran a four, a four six two, and a four six three, I believe, unofficially. But either way, I uh, I was hoping he would be in the four fives at least, just just off of the kind of player that he is. But either way, uh, he looks he looks fast on game game film and game speed. So it, you don't always have to take a lot into the forty yard dash, but it is nice seeing a good time just just because it validates your opinions, especially if you feel a certain type of way about about someone. But that's just me. Uh, with the quarterbacks, uh, a surprising athlete. I mean, I knew he could move a little bit. Desmond Ritter, he impressed me a lot. Uh, I'm. I'm incredibly impressed by him personally. Uh, four five two is very solid. Uh, he's a better athlete than I thought. I he I thought he'd be more in the four seven range, but you know, uh, pretty impressive. Kenny Pickett with the four seven, I like that a lot also. But uh, I did see an interesting comp for Kenny Pickett and uh, by Dan Orlovsky is uh, someone who I respect his opinion a lot, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, he said that the more he watches Kenny Pickett. He he sees Tony Romo in him, and I think that's very interesting. Uh, 
especially with the uh, hand size uh, thing going around with Kenny Pickett and his hand size is so small and no one's been drafted with those kind of size hands in so long and he's not going to be able to grip the ball and stuff. I think he'll be just fine, <laughs> personally, but it's interesting. I thought it was a good comp to bring up, uh, especially if he actually does become something, uh, s- something solid, I guess you could say. Uh, but that's really all for the combine, I guess. Uh, only really the wide receivers and the quarterbacks and the tight ends really did something. So there's not a crazy amount to talk about. But I'm curious to see when it comes to like the linebackers, like Devin Lloyd, what he runs, or Nicobe Dean and stuff like that. But uh, moving on, uh, I wanted to move on to Amari Cooper uh, because today there was some news released by Adam Schefter saying that the Cowboys are likely to release or try to trade in quotes. Uh, Amari Cooper, which is very interesting. Uh, he's due twenty million dollars next year, and th- man, does this seem like a messed up, <laughs> a messed up situation for the Cowboys because they decided to go and pay Zeke instead of Amari Cooper, and now, well, they paid Amari Cooper too, but they paid Zeke that it's it, it, they can't pay Amari Cooper now, like they they can't afford him, I guess you could say, and they're going to be franchise tagging Dalton Schultz. So it just seems like cap mismanagement because he's not even 30 years old yet. He hasn't really slowed down as a player. I think he's still the same talent level that he's always been. It just, I don't know, uh, they're, they, they're losing Cedric Wilson in free agency and they're losing uh, Michael Gallup also. So I know they have CeeDee Lamb, but from what seems like one of the best, if not the best wide receiver core in football, to there's like there's one productive wide receiver left on the team i mean obviously they could re-sign some of the guys but it's crazy uh he's he's 27 years old uh elite route runner it's i'm very interested to see where he goes because he can definitely get paid on the open market especially get a long-term deal too i mean there's no reason there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to um it adds to another stacked wide receiver class also uh with guys like Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, Mike Williams, all that. Uh, it, it adds more competition and might even <laughs> lead to guys like Allen Robinson getting paid a little more because they're driving up the price for him. But I don't know. Uh, I find it very interesting. I think that a, a team like the Bears could go after Amari Cooper, but they have more pressing needs, and the wide receiver class in the draft is so stacked that – it's almost, do you want to spend $20 million, $20-plus million on Amari Cooper? Or do you want to go out and sign a few different complimentary guys and help build the team's foundation up? Because it's not like the Bears are an Amari Cooper away from winning, you know? It it feels like there's a lot more needed and there's going to be, it's going to be a little rough around the edges, especially if they actually go after Cooper. So... It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty interesting. I could see a team like maybe the Chargers going after him and replacing him Mike Williams. And uh, I mean, let me tell you, the route running on the Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper on the same team would be just disgusting. But uh, a team that I think that he should go to, I don't know their quarterback's gonna be yet, which could be an issue. But uh, maybe the Saints. I know they don't have any money. That's that's the issue, but it just feels right. I I think uh I think it would make a lot of sense for him to be in the Saints, but uh another team, maybe the Redskins. So I mean, <laughs> the Commanders. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean either way, uh it's I don't know. Uh I think they could try to trade him and that could help out uh a team who he probably wouldn't be interested in, but 
we'll see. Uh, he could come at a budget just because everyone knows that they're going to be uh, releasing him. So, yeah, I uh, thought that was something interesting to touch on. Uh, next up, got some NBA news. Uh, well, not really news, but it's kind of like a, a recap of some sorts. Uh, the Sixers. The Sixers look uh, extremely hot right now, uh, especially with James Harden coming back and, and kind of tearing it up like he, he typically does when he goes to a new team. It's just kind of fitting for him. Uh, I think a lot of it is I think he lacks motivation. Uh, like after a while, he gets too comfortable somewhere, and he just kind of grows old of it and lacks motivation and kind of doesn't really see a reason to try all that hard. Which is very, which is crazy. Like to be an all-world athlete and just kind of not try very hard and still drop twenty and eight in his sleep is kind of crazy. And then whenever he feels like it, he could turn it on and average 30, 34 points and ten assists. You know, uh, but I, I think it's uh, I think it kind of puts the Sixers kind of up there in that upper echelon if they already weren't uh, in the East. So I think it puts them up there with the Nets and the Bucks. Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to put the Bulls and the Heat in there too, but I don't know. Uh, as far as from a Bulls standpoint, it's kind of scary seeing that just because the Nets get better, obviously, uh, with Ben Simmons, and then the Sixers get even better with James Harden. So it's uh, it's kind of a give and take, you know. Uh, the Nets lost Joe Harris for the rest of the season, so that's a big loss for them. But besides that, I mean, can the Bulls beat one of these teams in the playoffs? Uh, biased fan says yes. Unbiased fan says no. Personally, uh, I think I think it's extreme. I think it's an extreme uphill battle. Personally, um, there's not really much that <laughs> that can really go on there uh, as far as uh, as far as defensive matchups go. I think I think they lack a little bit up front, uh, especially finding someone that can defend and beat like well or even Giannis or KD like there's just too many too many big bodies that we don't really have an answer for I know Patrick Williams could be that answer but can he really be that answer coming off an injury being so young you know what I mean I I don't really I don't really see that being like a viable option like I see him maybe holding his own for a little bit but as a as a seven game series goes on you don't think those guys can figure out a way to score on a guy on a guy who's very inexperienced and has been hurt for a whole season? I mean, I, I think that's just kind of a pipe dream, personally. Uh, the, the Bulls would have to play lights-out basketball to even have a chance, not to mention even winning the series and then doing it two or three times, you know. But either way, uh, as far as the MVP conversation goes, obviously you got guys like Jokic, uh, who's probably been in front all season kind of just in his sleep uh just kind of doing what he does doing Jokic things but uh next I mean obviously Embiid too uh who's also up there just kind of doing his thing uh not really not really causing too much noise which is really unlike him but he's just kind of averaging 30 in his sleep 30 and 11 uh pretty easily but um I mean, I don't know. Uh, the storyline, I think, lies with DeMar DeRozan, though. I I know these guys may have better numbers, but DeMar DeRozan has added something to a team that hasn't had it in a very long time. So I know, um, I, know I sound like a homer, but I think he could easily be top three in MVP voting, and 
nobody would have an issue with it, and I I think I think that's how it should be. I, I think uh, I think Jokic probably deserves it again, and then Embiid second, and Demar third. I know Giannis has the better numbers, uh, averaging twenty nine, eleven, and six with uh, a great team around him. But I mean, Giannis just feels like so boring at this point. Like it just it's just normal for him to do this at this point. I know that's such a I don't know, uh, such a biased way to look at it, but I I just want to see Demar get top three in the MVP voting. Just give what he deserves, especially if you look at win shares. Obviously, that's not the end all be all stat, but if you look at win shares, he's he's right up there with everyone. Uh, like I was saying with storylines, I think a guy like John Morant could easily bump himself up into winning the MVP. Honestly especially with the jump that the Grizzlies have made this season, I see no reason at all that they couldn't do anything uh, in the playoffs, to be honest with you. Uh, It's a superstars league, and John Moran is a bona fide superstar. And, I mean, I've been on him since since he was playing at Murray State, but obviously that's not (laughs) the most impressive take ever or anything like that. But he's he's been unreal. Uh, In 33 minutes per game, he's averaging 27.8 points per game. He's, he's shooting nearly 50% from the field, and he's up to three-point percentage, 4% this year. So a lot of that is uh, is coincided with just getting going along with age and just getting better and uh, meshing with his team overall. So uh, a lot of that is very impressive, I, I would say. Um, moving on to the MLB lockout, I mean, there's not much news to really talk about, which sucks. That's 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 the news. Is that there's not much news to talk about. It's like what what's something's got to give at some point. I know it's millionaires versus billionaires and the players are trying to make a difference, but it just kind of sucks from a fan perspective. Obviously, you understand where both sides are coming from. Uh they it's a business at the end of the day, but man, would it be nice to see some baseball when you're when you're expected to see some baseball. But either way, uh there's there's no meeting scheduled for today as of uh Friday the 4th but uh hopefully that there's some sort of resolution in the next couple of weeks because from a White Sox fan perspective I mean our window is now and we haven't even had the chance to sign any free agents in the past few months and there's a, a few needs needed so um it's going to be interesting to see how that goes but uh Besides that, I think that'll conclude today's episode. Uh, You can access the podcast on the library's website, the Glacier, or SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and peace.